You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Before he does, we have a special guest with us today, um, wants to share a little bit with us, and I have the, the awesome opportunity of getting to introduce her. Uh, about 10 years ago, I'd heard stories about Angie McInville, uh, Altamirano, and I'd, I'd heard tales of Hope House and things that were going on in, in Honduras, and I got the, the opportunity to go down at, with a mission trip and see uh, firsthand what was happening down there, and, uh, you know, it's one thing to to hear stories, it's one thing to, to, you know, read things and see pictures, and but it's another thing to see it with your eyes, you know, and see what's happening. And it's another thing, it's, 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 it's a thing to, to, you know, see the work, the hard work that's going into to something. And a lot of hard work has gone in to Hope House, and she's going to share a lot of that. But it's not just the hard work, because firsthand, being down there, I, you see God's fingerprints all over it. That, that God was doing something uh, uh, through her ministry. And, uh, and it, it's just, just been the past 10 years getting to know her and her husband, Eddie, and uh, getting to know her family and all the kids down there. And uh, being able to, uh, you know, just to make a connection there has been so uh, life-changing for me and life-changing for, I know so many of the others that are here, uh, you either know, know her, her family, she's from Adamsville, uh, you, know, you know them there, or you've been down to Hope House or uh, heard things over the years. And I know a lot of you don't maybe don't know, maybe know about it. So that's why we wanted her to take a minute and introduce herself. And Angie, I, I just want to welcome you today and just share from your heart. Let us know uh, what it is that, that, that's going on down there and how it is we can be a better part of that. Here's Angie McInville Alcamarano. Good morning, Church 2911. It is such a joy and a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, and be able to share what God is doing in Honduras. But first of all, I just want to say how beautiful it is to be in a service worshiping the one and only great king. And how beautiful it is to know that not just here, but all over the world, his presence is real. And he's not just in one confined place. But I know at the same time, my family in Honduras is worshiping. The children in Honduras are worshiping the Lord this this morning. So how beautiful it is to know we have a great and a good God. Um, as Brent said, you know, I have had the opportunity to serve in Honduras now. Um, well, I've been there for 25 years. Um, it is considered a third world country. Um, when they say that um, you know, there's malnutrition is at an epidemic level, uh, child trafficking, human trafficking, gangs, prostitution, drugs, you name it. Um, there's a lot of things that come along with it. I could be, I could tell you Statistic after statistic of what is going on. Um, as far as the poverty is concerned, half the pop- population live in the, in, in the poverty level. 25 of which live in extreme poverty, which means they make less than $2 a day. So I could go on and on about the negative, but I don't like to focus on that. Because it's easy to look at it and say, well, there's no hope for the children, the families that are living in that condition. Why even try? Because we know that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he thinks he can get the grasp on, first of all, the children. Because even Hitler said, if you, if you show me a child, I'll give you a nation. So even if the enemy knows that if we can catch the children and then catch the families, that there is hope. But that hope is only found in Christ Jesus. And that is what our ministry, Anchor of Hope, is there to do. Is to show that, you know, 
we have something better for us. 29, Jeremiah 29, 11 is also our theme scripture. You know, the enemy says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Christ says, uh-uh, no, no, no. I have something better. Because I know the plans that I have for you. To prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. So how are we doing that? Um, Anchor of Hope Ministry is a broad title, an umbrella, for many things now. We started out as a home for children. And you'll see some of the you know, Hope House. These are our children from, from the Home for Children. Uh, these are the outcasts, the orphans, the abused, the abandoned, the, those who are not loved, those who are told, you, you will be nothing. But we have the opportunity, we have the privilege to bring these children in and to show them the true love and hope that is in Christ Jesus. To see a child, you know, three years old, who has witnessed great more, great, greater more than I at, the, at my age, can imagine living through, you'd see a child at three come in with vacant hollow eyes because they've suffered so much trauma, abuse, grief, malnutrition. But to see as that, those eyes begin to transform. You know the saying, you know, the eyes are a window to the soul? I truly believe that. You can look in someone's eyes and see where they are. And to see a child that seems hopeless, it's hard to imagine. But to also watch as God begins to move, and he begins to transform into these, these smiling faces, you know? Who would imagine some of them have seen gruesome murders in front of their faces, who have been abused to some extremes that they should not even be standing? These are miracles that you're looking at, and the transformation that only God can do. We also have Hope Christian Academy, which is, that's my beautiful family, <laughs> um, Hope Christian Academy is a school where we scholarship in not just our children from the homes, but we scholarship in children from the community who might have no, no other opportunity to study. They, they supposedly there's 14% of children in Honduras do not even go to school at all. And those that do, only 64% go past the sixth grade. Now, I, I always tell the families and the children, there's two things that no one can ever take away from you. But there's also those are the two things that can change your life. First is Christ, and second is your, is your education. If you have both of these things, the sky's the limit. Without these two things, you're doomed to fail. So our goal with, their, with this school is to push Christ. Everything we do is Christ-centered. Push Jesus. You know, he is your hope. Push Christ, and then push their education so that they do have a better opportunity to have success in life. And not just this life, but the eternal life as well. Uh, the school, we also have the opportunity to do parent training classes, which we, we do the very basics. I mean, what does it mean to have, be hygienic? Just the basic hygienes. You know, what, um, you know, why you need to boil your water if you don't have clean water or come to our fountain, which I'm going to tell you about soon, so you can have clean water for your family. Um, so we, we are also training the families um, as well. So the Hope Fountain, 20% um, of Hondurans do not have access to water. The very basic of life. Can you imagine going, going to your house, turning on a tap, and nothing being there? And having no hopes that it will be there. That is the re reality of many people. So um, through our ministry as well, we have what's called Hope Fountain. People can come. There's families that come twice a week. And they, they listen to the, they hear the gospel shared. And then they can fill the recipients up um, to not just take 
clean water, but it's actually purified water now. So they don't have to even worry about parasites and the diseases that come from the, the normal water. So we're giving them not only water to live, but we're giving them the living water as well. You know, as the Bible says, those um, that Jesus told the, the, the woman at the well, those that drink from this water will never thirst again. So that's what we desire, to fill their physical thirst, but to fill their spiritual thirst as well. We have clinics. We have a clinic there that we do brigades, uh, medical and dental brigades from time to time in the, the, for our kids, the kids at the school, as well as the community. So they have the opportunity to come and, of course, hear the gospel, that's given, and then receive medical care. Medical care is scarce down there, and what is available is very poor. So they have the opportunity to receive good medical attention, on a reg- dental attention, on a regular basis now. Um, we also have Hope Kids, which includes the children from the fountain, the children from the school, the children from the home for, from the home for children, as well as others, where we do kids' crusades. Uh, right now we're doing about three times a year with them, and our goal is over time, to create a children's church uh, on a regular basis. So that's, that is what the overall part of our ministry is, as well as other community outreaches. But our main goal in all of, all of the things that you've seen is despite what statistics say, despite what the enemy says, and, and I want to say this not just for what's going on in Honduras. I think this is important for everyone to know, and there's probably someone here that needs to hear this as well. Your present and your past does not define you. Your identity is not in what others say. It is not what the enemy tries to put in your mind. It is not what statistics say. Your identity is only found, your true identity in Christ Jesus and what he did for you, what he did for me, what he did for everyone over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. That is where our identity lies. So we don't, we don't and this is what we try to push every day. Do not settle for what the world offers. Do not fall, fall to what the enemy tells you. Rise up and be who Christ has called you to be. Show your true identity. And that is the true hope in Christ Jesus. So thank you very much for all that you do for your community and for what you've done also for our ministry. I'm very grateful. You hold that. I've got mine. Uh, When did you move to Honduras to be permanent there? I thought I was going to Honduras for three months right after graduating college. (laughs) (laughs) But 25 years later, I'm there full time. So So, uh, like as a teenager? I was 20, I went down as a, on a week's trip as a teenager, okay. but at 21, I moved to Honduras. So I, and I, I knew that moment, that when that happened, um, but it's like, man, looking at this today, and I've been there one time, oh, your, your mom and dad are here with us, uh, uh, the McInvales, good to have Bob uh, and Jane with us today. I lived with them for two days, so uh, <laughs> I appreciate y'all putting me up, right, and supporting me, but um, <clears throat> and I remember that, and and being there and seeing it, but now, but really seeing all of this is just amazing what God can do through a little 21-year-old girl from Adamsville, Alabama. Oh, ain't, yeah. that, ain't that amazing? Yeah, so so uh, now the fountain you talked about, I think there was a picture in the little video clip uh, that the stone wall kind of a thing. Right. So who are, the, who are those people? And tell us what your situation is with that right now. Um, this is the fountain. So like I said, twice a week. 
Uh, these, there's families, there's uh, over 11 families who have no water whatsoever at their homes in, in our community. Um, and there's more that are starting to come as well because they're, they're moving in squatters, basically. So they'll come and they will, uh, like I said, receive the gospel and then they will receive water to take back to their homes. They'll fill up their jugs and they will walk up a long hill with these heavy waters um, to be able to have water for their families to, to eat, to drink, to bathe. You name it. So what's your situation with that now? <laughs> we have a, situ a serious situation at the moment. Uh, we, have a, we, work, we have a well, and that well provides water for the home for children. That's our drinking water, cooking water, bathing water, for the school as well, the clinic when, when we have brigades, and also for these families. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, we're having issues with our well, and it's the only well we have. Um, we're not sure. We're praying, praying hard that it's not drying up. <laughs> Amen. If that's the case, then we're going to have to drill another one. Um, we're praying that it's just going to be some mechanical issue that's going on, but um, we are having shortages of water at the moment because okay. of it. All right, so um, you heard that, all right? Hang on to that because that's coming back to us in just a moment. I want to ask you to do something for. I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second. Um, there's, really, there's really a cool thing going on at 2911 right now. Um, the church is really growing, reaching a lot of people. And uh, I would like to ask you, would you say a prayer over 2911 while you're here, yeah. just right now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care, but I would just like for you, while you're here, pray, pray over us. And, and uh, you know, I was telling somebody when they came in, uh, they, had, they had had a problem this week, and, and, uh, and, and I told them, it just hit me. I said, you know, I had, I had like a blessing, and I said, I think I got the blessing because I prayed for you to have this blessing. And then I got that blessing because I was praying for you. And so I want to, uh, as we, as we com commit more to, uh, to you guys and the ministry going on there, I, I, that's really what I'm asking. I don't care. Yeah. God doesn't either. <laughs> Lord, we come to you now this morning giving you thanks, God, because you are a great God. You are an amazing God. You are the one who, who places our hope and our identity in you, God. Um, this morning I come just lifting before you this beautiful church of 2911. Thank you, God, for their heart. Thank you for their passion for souls and for people, for the mm -hmm. lost. And thank you, God, for what you're doing, that you are moving um, in a fresh way. And I pray that your presence will just abound, that it will multiply yeah. um, amongst everyone here, not just in, as, a, as a unit, but individuals, God, that you will uh, begin to just stir up new, new things. Um, in this church and in each life, God, that I speak blessings upon you, this ministry, so. of, uh, their outreach, their, their, their individual families. God, I just pray that you will do a great yes. work, yes. that you will begin to show new things, new fresh things, yes. and a fresh anointing, Father, oh, upon God, this place, yes. that your presence will be so real, that uh, your, your direction will be bright and bold, that they will be able to see clearly, Father, the direction that you would have them to go, and they will be strong and valiant to step forward into yes. that into yes. that um to re into that door that you are opening before yes. them father that the, the vision will be clear that your direction will be clear and they will step into that father and they will be a light they will be that beacon in this community uh, that others will see and say Amen. what is that Amen. and Amen. be in awe Amen. about what you're doing and being so. drawn to that light god and they will they will see souls change. They'll see families change. They'll see this community yes. turned towards you, God, Amen. that their faces will just be completely 
turned towards you and, and, and transformed. God, I just believe that you're going to do a great and mighty work through this ministry and through this church and in each individual's lives, God. And I pray that, that for unity and I pray for focus, God. And, and again, I just, I just see great things coming forward. And I pray for that valor to step forth into what you are calling them to, God. And I thank you for what you've done up to this point and the lives that have Amen. been changed up to yeah. this point. But yeah. I know that this is just a, a trampoline towards something greater. Amen. And I just thank, thank you and I praise so you God. and I put your blessings, God, upon each individual into this church. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Angie. Thank you. All right, so I'm going to be briefer. I don't, I don't know I'm going to be brief. I'm going to be briefer <laughs> than, uh, than normal, but I've got to share with you, and uh, we're, we're doing Reclaim this year, right? And so today we're talking about reclaiming missions because from the beginning, 2911 has been about missions. I mean, we took missions trips. Our first three or four years, we did missions trips in several places out, out of the country, and um, one of the first things, well, something's really cool, is one of the first things we did was we paid for a well to be dug in Romania. So it kind of, kind of seems like one of our things, right? Uh, so uh, I, th I thought that was really cool. That's one of the needs of zero. And so we'll come to that at the end of this message right here, if I can, okay? So let's talk about reclaiming missions because that's, as we've talked about this year so far, we've talked about reclaiming who we are. COVID, you know, kind of derailed everything for a little while. Everybody's trying to figure out who they are. We're trying to remember who we are. And I know a lot of you guys are new at 2911, and uh, I was telling people at 101, was that last week? I think it was last week. Just say, look, if you've been here for a little while, don't consider yourself new anymore. We're ready for you to jump in and just be part of the family. And so we'd look at that, but we're, we're wanting to reclaim who we are. So, so let's, let's talk about that. And the first thing, <clears throat> first thing I want to ask you is what would you give? What would you give? Um, let me set this up with a... <clears throat> a little story that I heard. I sang, I sang too much um, in, in a good worship set this morning, by the way. Um, and what would you give? I heard this story back back when I was a kid. Uh, this story of the uh, old country preacher that went to one of his members' houses that was a farmer, and, and they were sitting there sipping iced tea, and he, he looked at the farmer, and he said, he said, if you had $200,000, would you give 100000 to the work of the Lord? And that farmer said, absolutely, Pastor. I love God's work. You know, I, I, would, that, I can't think of a place I'd want to share half of what I've got. And he said, well, let me ask you, if you had two horses, would you give one of those to the work of the Lord? He said, absolutely, Pastor. You know, if I had two horses, I'd give one of those because I can't think of another thing I'd rather share my, my blessings with than the work of the Lord. So the pastor, he paused a minute this time, and he said, well, let me ask you, if you've got two pigs, would you give one of them to the work of the Lord? That farmer said, now hang on here, pastor. You know I've got two pigs. <laughs> right? You see, we will commit all kinds of stuff that we don't have. But what's important is what will we do with the stuff that we do have? I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people say, Pastor, if God would just let me win the sweepstakes. Right? Right? Can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't need the sweepstakes to make his mission happen. He only needs you and me. That's what he needs. Uh, yeah, he, he could give, he could let several of us win sweepstakes, lottos, and whatever, scratch-offs and all those things. We don't, we don't promote those things, all right? All right, we don't promote those things. But, I mean, he could make, he could make several of us win that, but... 
that's not what's going to make a difference in our communities and the families around us and in the rest of the world. It is us that he uses. So here's another question for you. I mean, this, this, this one really is just uh, slides really filling up with questions, isn't it? How much of my life, my Christian life, do I live in a comfort zone? How much of it? And you think about giving. How much of our giving is, is comfortable? When is the last time you gave and it hurt that you gave? You know what? It, I, I just tell you, it's been a while since I, I've given, but it's been a while that, since I've given and it really hurt. And, and not just your finances. What about your time? How long has it been since you gave your time and it hurt and you didn't complain about it? right because uh, yeah we give so our, our time but then we complain about it, right and you know what the word talks about not giving grudgingly or because you have to of necessity but you know if you're giving and you're giving grudgingly you complain about it, it wasn't much of a gift I mean you know, who wants to get a birthday gift so I didn't really want to give you that but my wife made me to get uh, who wants to get that right you know what about God who wants does God want those kinds of gifts no he doesn't want those kinds of gifts let's talk about somebody who lived in a comfort zone that he uh, I got a friend he used to always say say don't get out of the tall grass you know you got to stay there in that tall grass you know until it's time to come out of that don't get out too early stay in that tall grass. you got to hide, hide okay in in John chapter 3 uh John three 16 you've heard of that one right just before that this explains how this this uh meeting came to pass John chapter 3 the first two verses I think it's actually verse one and a half uh, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus at night, you know, in the dark, almost like this, right? In the dark where nobody could see him. You know, a lot of people are more comfortable in church in the dark too, you know? We actually are working on lighting here, okay? But, uh, we, don't, but anyway, uh, we, we don't think that you just, you're hiding, you know, you're that secret agent Christian or whatever. But, you know, a lot of people, that's what they want. They, you know, keep it dark over there where the prayer team stands, you know, so nobody knows I'm praying over here my knee. Man, let me tell you something. When I've got a need, I really like people to know. I like people to know so they can be praying for me as well. Well, here's no Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus tonight. Why did he do that? Okay, I, I could spend 15 minutes here talking about why he did that. We don't really know, but it's pretty obvious that he just had too much in his life to give up if people knew he was having faith in Jesus. He had reputation. He was a Pharisee. He had good standing in the community, all these things. And it would have just cost, that's a big word right there, okay? It would have just cost too much to come boldly out of the tall grass. So he hid in the tall grass. I read a story uh, just the other day. I thought it was, it, it, this is great, great illustration for what I think you and I do a lot of times. There was a, a, a jazz club in, in New Orleans, and in the corner of this jazz club, there was an old dilapidated piano. I mean, it, was, it, it, it just totally needed reworking. Nobody wanted to play it. He had jazz, jazz bands come in all the time. Combos would come in all the time. Nobody wanted to play it. Nobody wanted to sing with it. They all wished they could bring their own piano in, you know, like you could just bring in a saxophone or a trumpet. But, uh, you know, they couldn't do that. And so, you know, the owner finally one day, he just, he gets fed up with hearing all these complaints about his old piano, and he does something about it. You know what he does? He goes down to the hardware store, and he buys a can of paint, and he paints the piano. Now, listen, I know a little bit about music, but I don't know as much as some of y'all do, so some of y'all help me. What good did it do, musically speaking, to paint the piano? I mean, what did it do? Make you feel better about sitting behind a pretty piano? Is that what it was? I mean, it didn't do a bit of good, did it? But let me ask you this. How often 
are we just comfortable and we're okay with just painting the piano, playing it safe, staying in the tall grass. You know, let's don't get out here too quick like my buddy used to say. Let's stay in the tall grass until we're really forced to come out and do what we've got to do. How often? How often do we paint the piano? I mean, because, you know, I've, I've been pastoring. I was counting up the other day. I've got 29 years of pastoring, and some of it was broken up and being in state ministry and, and some, some leadership there and things. But So I've, I've been in this thing for a while, you know, and, and I remember days. I remember times that churches struggled to do anything, but, man, I mean, you and I, we've got resources. And if it's not in your pocket right now, you know how to go get it. You've got jobs or you've got ways that you can raise money. We've, we've got resources like this, but how often? We're just, we're just comfortable just painting the piano. Let's don't paint the piano today because, you know, um, here's a great quote from uh, Father Henri Nouwen, a uh, great quote that I ran across also to, to throw in this sermon, and he refer, references Nicodemus in this, but he says, I love Jesus but want to hold on to my own friends even when they do not lead me closer to Jesus. I love Jesus, but want to hold on to my own independence even when that independence brings me no real freedom. I love Jesus, but do not want to lose the respect of my professional colleagues, even though I know that their respect does not make me grow spiritually. I love Jesus, but not, do not want to give up my writing plans, travel plans, and speaking plans, even when these plans are often more to my glory than to the glory of God. So I am like Nicodemus who came by night and said safe things about Jesus to his colleagues. Whew. Man, is that a gut punch or what? And how often are we just saying the safe things about Jesus? He's called us. He's called us to tell this world the truth, his truth. His gospel of how he loves, but how often do we, oh, you know, we can't run them off or we got to be careful and we just say the safe things. Do you, do you, you want to see the exact, you know what he's referencing? He's actually referencing the second time that Nicodemus is mentioned in the Bible because, um, you know, there were a lot of religious people, Pharisees, which he was one, and a lot of them, they didn't like Jesus. Most of them didn't like Jesus. And uh, they thought they were superior to everyone else in, in uh, religious knowledge. And so look at this quote right here. This is in uh, chapter 7. Uh, one of the Pharisees says, Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believe in Jesus? This foolish crowd follows him, but that's because they're ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them because they don't even know the law. We know the law. And none of us, okay, and Nicodemus is sitting here in this crowd, right? And this guy says, None of us believe in Jesus because we know the law. And so Nicodemus speaks up and he says, Well, is it legal to convict a man before he's given a hearing? He asks. What did he say? He said something safe. He tried to defend Jesus, but from the tall grass. He tried to do, do, a, do a little something, but uh, he can't get out there. And, I mean, I'll, it's just going to cost me too much to do that. And so he stayed in the tall grass. One more opportunity. Nicodemus is mentioned three times in the Bible that I could find. Somebody else tell me if, if I'm wrong. One more opportunity Nicodemus had to come out of the tall grass, and it's when Jesus Christ died on the cross, okay? And here's this, John chapter 19. Afterwards, after Jesus had died, 
Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leader. It's an epidemic. I mean, they're just, you know, everywhere. It's like, you know, they're secret. Where, where's, where did, I, you've heard me say this. There's no such thing as a secret agent Christian, you know. You've heard me say that. I, I just don't believe you can do that. But here, here's another guy that the Bible says is a secret disciple. And he asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed oil. Anybody ever carried 75 pounds of anything? 75 pounds. So here we got have Joseph, the secret disciple, and Nicodemus, who is still back in the tall grass. They're taking the body of Jesus down. They've got 75 pounds of, of, of ointments and, and spices uh, and, and myrrh and olives. They're following the Jewish burial custom. They wrap Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. Finally, finally, Nicodemus boldly steps out of the tall grass. Because, I mean, you don't take a guy's body off the cross without somebody noticing. You know, you, you don't bring 75 pounds of spices and aloes and all those things without somebody noticing. You don't wrap up a body and put him in a tomb and roll a, roll a stone in front. You don't do all that without somebody noticing. You know, because here, here's, the, here's the last challenge right here. Last slide for me. Uh, we eventually have to decide to do the right thing regardless of the cost. And that's where you and I are today. We've got to decide. I mean, there, there's, I, I agree, Angie. It's, Angie, it's really easy to talk about the negatives. I mean, I think we've all been talking about the negatives since COVID. You know, there's so much, you know, so many negatives and everything. But it's time to start talking about the positives again. It's time to step up and not just say the safe things about Jesus. It's time to do what needs to be done and do the right thing and do what's really in our heart. Get out of the tall grass and get boldly out there and do what needs to be done regardless of what it costs me today. I mean, to make a $100 contribution to something today, you know, what you'd have to do? Skip your family, skip three meals not where I ate yesterday, skip two. <laughs> you know, that's all it is, you know, and it's over with, you know, and you could give $100. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You and I, we're, we're so blessed. We have the resources. But we often just want to paint the piano, play it safe, stay in the comfort zone, in the tall grass. But today, I'm going to call you to do something else. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.